Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Amanda Lee Love, and I'm a registered holistic nutritionist. And today's guest is Annie. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. I always start every episode with the same question. How did you get into what you're doing today? Um, so my background is actually in marketing. Um, and I've been working in marketing since I was like, I think 21 years old, I replied to an ad on Craigslist and you know, that it, it was an entry-level marketing job that got me into the industry. Um, and I've been there since, um, but more recently last year, I quit my nine to five full-time job and actually started my own company, my own brand called Recipe, which is an ad-free recipe platform that's more equitable for creators. Um, and sort of at the same time, you know, just shifting more into the food space, the food um, industry, I also joined uh, CSA Farm as a worker share um, to learn more about community agriculture, to learn more about sort of, you know, where food comes from, how food is grown, and especially hyper-local food. What does it, what does it mean by hyper-local? Hyperlocal, very, very local. Um, typically, a CSA is a community-supported agriculture farm. Um, and, you know, when, when you go to the farmer's market, you're often going to see food grown within, you know, 100 miles of where, where the farmer's market is, where you live. Um, and CSAs, you know, similarly, typically you're going to, you know, be getting produce, fruits, vegetables, sometimes even flowers, um, very, very local to you, you know, within usually about 20 miles of your home. Wow. That's, that's, we don't think about that, how far, like everything travels to get to us. Yeah. And I, I mean, even farmer's market, that's going to be your fresh local, you know, harvested within the last week or so produce. But when you go to the grocery store, often the food is traveling thousands and thousands of miles to get there. What's the biggest thing you've learned from doing this? Um, I guess just the difference that growing food for taste has, because the food at your grocery store, you know, it's bread and bread and bread to be very specifically exactly the way it is. But food from CSA is grown for flavor, whereas food grown for the grocery store is you know, they, they breed it so that fruits and vegetables can last a really long time. That's one of the most important things, lasting a long time, being pest resistant. Um, so instead of, you know, breeding a tomato to travel a thousand miles to sit on a shelf for a week, um, CSA, you know, produce is bred only, you know, primarily for, you know, the best possible flavor. Um, so over the summer, you know, I, I ate a lot of tomatoes. We had tons of tomatoes from the farm um, and I would just slice it and sprinkle some salt on top. And every time I served tomato, my husband would be like, what did you like? Is there a special sauce? Like what, how did you make these tomatoes taste like this? And he was just like mystified and it was literally just tomatoes and salt. Um, so food bread for flavor, like it's just a whole different experience than food bread to last a long time and travel far distances. And it's so much healthier for your body. You're getting so many more nutrients um, there. You know, the, the, the produce is ripening at the correct time. There are all sorts of different processes for harvesting, for, you know, making sure the food is 
you know, handled properly, food safety, cleanliness, hygiene, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's being harvested at the optimal time for flavor and for nutrition. So you're getting, you know, you're retaining a lot more of those important nutrients. And when you do it, like certain foods probably are in season, right? So you're eating yes. in season. It's, yeah, you're eating, you know, what, what naturally can grow in your area during that time. The CSA that I work for, um, they actually do have, you know, additional water. They, they have water lines that they run. Um, a lot of the CSAs locally just operate on natural rainfall. Um, and so that it, this past year was actually a huge drought year. So some of those, you know, struggled immensely. Luckily, we have supplemental water systems, all naturally, we catch rainwater, all of those types of things. Um, but yeah, it, it allows you to eat in sync with, you know, nature of what what the earth can produce and what the weather allows. Um, you know, if it's if it's hot, usually um, tomatoes, peppers, those are sort of successful summertime harvest. Um, but if, if it doesn't get super hot and I'm, I'm up in Wisconsin, which, you know, we have some temperamental weather. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes, you know, we had a very, very hot summer. So our peppers did great. Um, and you know, in, in the heat of summer, you're not going to have a lot of success with certain types of greens and they're just, you know, different foods that will succeed in different years, depending on the water levels, um, depending on how hot it gets, depending on when your last frost date is all of that kind of stuff. And when you're eating seasonal, it's important because, and we don't eat seasonal. A lot of times we're all like, we just eat the same foods all year round. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, lettuces tend to be cooler, cooler weather. They like colder weather. Um, but there are different types of lettuces. And so the CSA I work at sort of staggers what they start. They start lettuce, you know, from, from the beginning of the season, which is, you, you know, April, May, um, we start lettuces and we have our cooler weather lettuces in April, May, June. And then we have to shift because these types of lettuces don't like, you know, 80 degree weather every day. Um, and so there are different types, different breeds of lettuce that, you know, succeed more when it's hotter. Um, lettuces succeed growing in shade typically, because again, you know, they like a little bit of cooler weather. Um, so you're eating seasonally, you know, you have, you, we, we aren't getting tomatoes until like July, July and August is sort of when we get tomatoes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's sort of the way it's supposed to be. It's the way our ancestors have eaten, you know, across history, because, you know, weather is what determined agriculture. Nowadays, we can, you know, import from Southern California tomatoes, you know, in February, because the weather is different, the growing zones are different, and you just have access to anything you want year round. But again, it's going to be the quality, it's going to be the density of nutrients, and more than anything, it's also the flavor. And you were talking about before when we before we jumped on, you're talking about the flavor and you're just saying how you made like asparagus and it was just so amazing. Just you kept thinking about it weeks later. Yeah, I had never I had never even seen how asparagus grows. And there's a meme out there that's like, you know, it shows a picture of a, 
asparagus popping up in the ground. And it says something like asparagus, asparagus grows in, like the dumb way, like trying to disguise itself as the way asparagus grows. It's literally just, you know, the shoots that you would eat sticking out of the dirt. That's how asparagus grows. And you snap the, the heads off. Um, and if you go to the grocery store and buy asparagus and you try to eat it, like you take it off the shelf and you take a bite, ugh, like that is not, <laughs> you don't want to do that because it's fibrous, it's dense, it doesn't taste great. Like typically, you know, if it's a bigger stock of asparagus, you might even want to, you know, peel off some of the lower later, layer, chop off the ends because it's going to be super tough and fibrous. Um, but when you pick it off the ground, you can just eat it raw and it's like sweet and mellow. And it's like, like you had mentioned, you know, I, I just, I was thinking about it for weeks. And again, it's like, I can't wait. Usually asparagus here starts around May. I can't wait to get that, you know, fresh asparagus, pick it off the ground. Um, you have to like hold yourself back from eating all of it when really you're harvesting to share with other people. And so like with, um, with it, do, how do people like get started? Um, so CSAs, you know, they they exist really anywhere that there is agriculture. Um, most of that they're community supported. So they're usually very small. Maybe a few people work at each CSA farm. You can Google, you know, your town name, CSA farm, see if that comes up with anything. Um, the USDA has um, a directory of CSAs. Again, some are so small that they don't, they're not in directories. They're like completely off the map, you know, not digital. Um, but a, a good way to start is go to your local farmer's market and talk to the people who are working at the farmer's market. Agricultural communities are usually really closely connected. So the people at my CSA, you know, know every other CSA locally. They know all the people who sell at the grocery, or, you know, the, um, the farmer's market. Um, so asking, you know, the people who work at the farmer's market, the people who own local farms say, hey, I'm really interested in joining a CSA. Do you know of any? Um, that's a great way to be connected in your local agriculture scene. That's a great tip because I did not know that. Like going to the farmer's market, I think is really the first step that people should be taking. So. Yeah, and, and they're different, you know, and some CSAs do sell at um, farmer's markets, but typically farmers markets are funded by their sales throughout the year as they sell. So you go to the farmers market, you buy asparagus and you hand them money. Um, a CSA is sort of in reverse where typically they're funded at the very beginning of the season. So people sign up, you know, maybe even the fall before, but you know, early, early spring, you sign up, you pay an annual sort of member subscriber fee. Um, which typically, you know, it's like 300 to maybe six, $700. That's your entire season worth of produce, which for us is a 12 week season. Um, so that means for 12 weeks straight, you're getting an abundance, like a huge box of, you know, all the different types of veggies that you can grow locally in their exact season. Um, so they're funded ahead of time. And then with that money, they're able to, you know, fund all of the resources they need, the equipment, um, the labor, you know, the wages that they're, they're paying. Um, it's also great because you can know exactly the way the people on their farm are treated. 
And often in CSAs, at my CSA, you know, people pick up at the farm itself. So you're going to the farm to pick up your veggies, which were grown on that farm. You can talk to people, you can talk to the people who work in the field and say, you know, do you have bathrooms provided to you? That's huge. And that's one of the biggest causes of, you know, foodborne illness is that, you know, food workers, um, agricultural workers are deprived of proper sanitation, proper bathrooms. Wow. And so they go to the bathroom in the field. That's how, you know, E. coli spreads and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it's amazing to be able to, you know, not only monitor the nutrients that come into your body, you know, it obviously has a lower environmental impact because it's not traveling thousands and thousands of miles, but you can also make sure that, you know, they're, they're using safe and ethical labor practices that people are paid fairly that, you know, they have proper breaks, they have proper sanitation and all of that kind of stuff. What do you usually get when you, when you get it like a box? Um, so it very much depends on the exact time in the season. Um, you know, we, we typically have, you know, at least six or seven different vegetables in each box. For me, you know, my household is myself and my husband and, you know, we get way too much just for us. So, you know, it would comfortably feed a family of four to six, I think. Yeah. Um, and we, we always feel like pressured. We're like, we can't waste this. We've got to, you know, make salads every single day. Um, so throughout our season, and again, it depends on where you live because, you know, different, different parts of the United States have different, um, agricultural zones, which, you know, dictates what, what types of produce succeeds growing there. Um, we get typically lettuces almost through the entire 12 weeks, but different kinds, again, cold weather or warmer weather, you know, friendly lettuces. Um, in sort of the earlier part of the season, there's a lot of roots because root vegetables tend to succeed more in colder weather. Um, so things like beets and radishes, um, tons of beets and radishes. And then throughout the season, um, another colder weather, typically around end of May, June, um, we'll get peas. Peas are another one that you would not necessarily think that it's the best thing in the world, but when you're out in the field picking it, it's like, you know, one for the boxes, one for the boxes, one for me, one for the boxes, one for me. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, you just, you want to snack on it. It's so good when it's that fresh. Um, so peas, and then we get into summer stuff. We get carrots, tomatoes, um, another earlier one, kohlrabi. That's not one that I was particularly familiar with. It's something that I've heard of and, you know, it is at the grocery store. I have seen it at the grocery store, but it's not something that I would ever pick. Um, and again, after trying it, even hyperfresh probably wouldn't pick it on my own. Um, but that's one of the great things about it too, is it exposes you to vegetables that aren't your first choice. You have it anyway. So you're going to do what you can to learn. How do people prepare this? Um, you know, and I find that Indian food is actually a great way to use up a lot of different vegetables. I had never seen a kohlrabi recipe until, you know, I got an Indian cookbook and I, you know, opened it, browsed through it. And I'm like, kohlrabi, like, yeah, I just, I, in, in American, you know, in the United States, in our cuisine, you're not going to see a kohlrabi recipe. Um, so it, it allows you to sort of 
broaden your horizons and explore recipes that you wouldn't necessarily think to cook because you're using ingredients that you're not necessarily super familiar with. And it switches it up because I feel like we all get in this habit, even us who are in a hull, we get in this habit of we eat the same lettuces, yep. fruits and vegetables. Yeah, I have, you know, my go-to, I like onions, I like mushrooms, I love broccoli, I like cauliflower, you know, so yeah. there are, you know, six or seven vegetables that I'll, you know, grab at the grocery store. Right. But yeah, during the growing season, you know, I probably had 20 or 30 different types of produce. Um, eggplants, I learned that I really like eggplants. And again, it was because I was trying you know, I had tons of eggplant. I had way more eggplant than I could ever dream of, you know, using. And, you know, I know eggplant Parmesan and I know, you know, there, there are a few different eggplant things that I'm familiar with. Um, but again, I went and Indian recipes, um, found some amazing eggplant recipes and it ended up being one of my favorite things that, you know, was, was available. What is your like favorite thing that you like to teach people about what, how to like get started and stuff like that? Um, I think just understanding holistically sort of the benefits of CSA farming, because obviously there are the health benefits, you know, you're nourishing your body with more fruits and vegetables than you would normally eat. The fruits and vegetables are more nutrient dense than, you know, fruits and vegetables you buy at the grocery store. So there are tons of, you know, health, physical health benefits. Um, but I, again, you know, there's the environmental benefit. A lot of the CSAs, most CSAs are very earth conscious. They're using sustainable growth practices, sustainable water practices where, you know, big big corporate farms that churn out, you know, billions of dollars worth of produce a year, they are, you know, trying to meet volume and they're trying to meet profit margins. Um, and so when it's a community, you know, agriculture program, they are more environmentally conscious. The food obviously, you know, travels, I drive 10 miles to pick up my vegetable box. That's the distance that my produce travels. Um, whereas, you know, when I'm buying in the winter, because our CSA season is only 12 weeks long, you know, the, the tomatoes that I'm getting, you know, probably came from 2,500 miles away. Um, so environmentally, there are a lot of benefits. Um, and then also, again, you know, ethicalness in terms of how human beings are treated. Um, the, the CSA that I work with, you know, there are maybe, you know, five, five or six people who, who work and volunteer there. Um, I am one of the volunteers. Um, and so, you know, I see how everybody's treated and I talk to them every day and I see, you know, what are the hygiene practices on the farm? Um, what benefits do the employees have for working there? Um, so like holistically, not just physically, obviously there are the physical health benefits, but there are also environmental benefits. Um, and you know other ethical benefits, and that's not something we don't think about. Is really the ethical benefits. I feel like, and you know, <laughs> it, it's extraordinarily difficult work. Um, and yeah. so you know, the people who harvest our food and the machines, you know, that mass harvest our food, um, it, it is something that you know we hear 
bad headlines about, but it's different when you actually go out and stick your fingers in the dirt. And, you know, I spent, you know, three hours harvesting beans one day. It's incredibly difficult work. And so to think that, you know, some people don't have water breaks, you know, it's just, you have your 12 ounce bottle of water tucked into your belt and, you know, you, you work a 10 hour shift and you don't get to go get more water. You don't get to go, you know, there are no bathrooms. There are no, you know, offsite porta potties. So, you know, if you're working 10 or 12 hours straight, you know, what are you going to do when you have to go to the bathroom? Um, so really just experiencing that part of the way that our food is produced is, you know, it, it puts a lot of things into perspective. I think it. I think it probably shows appreciation for those who do it. Cause I think a lot of times we just think about, oh, we're hungry. I'm going to eat whatever. Yep. <laughs> and we don't yeah, think it, about who like did the work for us to have that food. Yeah. So you get to experience, you know, in the ideal situation, you know, how much work it is. It's so much work, even in the ideal situation and in non-ideal situations, you know, obviously that's tenfold. Do people like usually, so do you like, is it year long that you get these boxes and stuff or how does that work? So it really depends on the farm that you're, you know, going to with what the, the CSA farm does. Um, our season is 12 weeks long. So we start getting boxes usually around, you know, May, June and very end of May or early June. Um, and then it goes through September and then we have a harvest festival. Um, so it's for us, the summer season um, and a lot of you know, colder areas, Wisconsin gets very cold in the winter. A lot of places that get very cold will just have a summer season, but there are also winter CSAs that, you know, focus around some of the, you know, produce that grows well in the winter, root vegetables, um, you know, fall and winter squashes, those types of things. Um, so it, it depends on the farm you're going to. It depends on, you know, the types of food that you really enjoy. Do you want to, you know, be eating winter vegetables or summer vegetables, or do you want something that spans the whole year? That's interesting to know and stuff. But even if you do just like 12 weeks, you're, you, it probably makes such a huge difference. And another great thing is that these farms are typically also involved in food preservation practices. Um, and so, you know, I, I still have winter squashes that we grew and distributed in September, October. I have my butternut squash. I have my acorn squash, those types of squashes that last all winter long, um, potatoes, that sort of thing. Um, but then also RCSA holds canning classes. And so if you want to learn how to can, because, you know, we have an overabundance of tomatoes, um, for an extra like $25, I think it is, you can attend a canning class where you learn how to safely, you know, can and preserve. Um, we make jams, all of those sorts of things. And so, you know, even in the winter, you can eat food that you were involved in, you know, growing and, and processing. That's excellent that they offer that because People yeah, don't know how to do it. Community resources. Again, yeah. you know, you're dealing with human beings who, you know, want sustainable agriculture and who want you eating nutritious and local foods. 
Um, and also, you know, when they have excess, the inclination is to use that in the way that they can rather than throw it away. Um, and so, you know, obviously tomatoes are sort of a, an overabundant crop in general. It's easy right. to get way too many. Um, and so, you know, of course we do compost some stuff when there's, you know, we weren't able to harvest it in time and it went bad or anything like that. You know, everything is composted, um, right there at the farm, but you know, when we know there's excess, you know, there's too many cucumbers, there's, you know, we can pickle them. Um, and so it, it, it again plays into the sort of sustainability and environmentally, you know, conscious angle of it because, you know, we're going to stretch, you know, we'll get as much food out of this crop as we can rather than throwing it away when, you know, we've used up what we want. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, especially in America or wherever you are in the world, we just waste a lot of food. Yeah. I, I mean, <sighs> grocery stores throw away typically an immense amount of food. Some of it's spoiled, some of it's not yet spoiled. And you know, I've been seeing, I think in San Diego, California, um, they're now requiring grocery stores to donate any food that's still within date to um, like food kitchens, food pantries, rather than just throwing it away. Because typically the process almost anywhere in the United States is, you know, maybe this food we bought too much of, we have excess stock, we're going to throw it away, even if it's in date. Um, and so, you know, this, this allows more processing preservation so that we can extend the life of the food and that, you know, we can eat it in three months if we can't eat it right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we probably, we, people buy too much food. And then I've to been told some people are like, then they're like, Oh, I go out and then, yeah. And they waste the food. Yeah. And that's actually been something that I've had to deal with, you know, in my own home, because I'm just not used to eating this many vegetables. Um, and, you know, if I do go out, you know, go out to eat on Friday, and then go out to eat on Saturday, I'm behind and I have too many vegetables stacking up. Um, so that's sort of an interesting thing I've had to deal with on a personal level. And I started a compost pile, you know, this, this summer, which I have never done before. Um, and I, you know, I own my own home, but my yard is extremely, extremely small. Um, so I don't have a ton of room to, you know, compost and, you know, do whatever I want there. Um, so I've started a compost pile. Um, really my goal in um, joining the CSA as a worker share, um, I also started my own garden in my, you know, tiny little yard, but I would like to be able to grow more food, you know, myself and between myself and the CSA, I would like to grow more than I can eat so that I can share it. Um, a lot of CSAs donate to local food pantries or have, you know, that sort of contingency plan um, for when they grow too much. Um, and so I would love to, you know, be able to grow enough that I can share with my neighbors too. That's awesome because I think we just don't even think about like sharing food with our neighbors. We just, just, throw it away. <laughs> yeah. And my, my neighborhood is actually, you know, a lower, uh, a working class neighborhood, a lower income neighborhood. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're big families with four, four kids or, you know, they're, they're, I think that sharing food in a place like my neighborhood is especially valuable. It's, it's 
semi-food deserty. The nearest grocery store is about a mile away from my home. Um, but there, you know, aren't efficient bus systems. It's hard to get around unless you have a car. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of people locally have to rely on things like the dollar store or, you know, dollar general where, you know, you're going to find canned food, you're going to find food in the frozen section, but you're not going to find fresh local produce. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it would, it, it's a goal of mine to sort of, you know, be able to provide some food for the people in my neighborhood. That's wonderful. Is there anything else you would like to share? Um, you know, I would just say, like, try it out and talk to your people locally, your, your agricultural community. Um, I guess, you know, CSAs are front loaded, you pay at the beginning of the season. And, you know, some people don't have an extra three to $700, you know, to spend in March to purchase your membership. Um, and so ask, ask questions, ask around, because what I'm doing, I'm doing a worker share program um, where I, you know, get the full season of vegetables without paying any money. Um, and that's because I work once a week, I go to the farm and I help out and volunteer. Um, so there are often, you know, programs that you can access either, you know, sponsored spots on the CSA or worker share programs or sliding scale programs. Um, it's, it's community based and it's meant to support the community as well as community agriculture. Um, so if you can't afford, you know, 500 bucks at the start of the season, ask, ask and say, are there any funded programs? Are, do you have worker share spots available? Um, and, you know, I think everyone in CSA wants to make it accessible. So don't be afraid to ask. I love that because I think we don't ask, we just assume and stuff. Yeah. And there are, you know, there are definitely programs um, that are available, you know, whether you're just, I mean, my, my goal in joining the CSA was to learn a lot so that I can do it at home. Um, but I know that, you know, not everyone can spend $500 up front. And so that is another opportunity where you can leverage, you know, amazing community resources, education, um, you know, you can get your hands dirty and grow even more in appreciation for the food that you're eating. Um, and then also get it either heavily discounted or for free. That is awesome that they do that. Cause I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a hidden gem and you know, these farms don't have marketing teams and branding teams and brand awareness and, you know, professional social media people. So they, you know, can't effectively communicate with, you know, the public as, as a broadly. Um, and so again, you know, asking other people is the best way to connect with CSAs because they don't have a huge web presence and they may or may not be listed in directories and, you know, that kind of thing. They don't have a programs page explaining every single thing they have available, uh, but they're human beings and, you know, they have relationships in the community. And so, you know, someone in the agricultural community will be able to connect you with someone who can help. Thank you so much. This was very helpful. I think this will be a great episode for my audience. 
yeah, hopefully people are able to at least try it out or, you know, be motivated to go to their farmer's market and, you know, buy local and more nutritious food or connect with your local CSA. Thank you. <laughs>